Morning, everybody. Sorry, that was a little loud. Y'all ready to get started? All right, well, let me introduce myself. I'm Jill Moore. I am uh, one of the mentor moms from the Dallas group, from Dallas Nest group. And um, we're going to talk today about reclaiming our role as wives. Um, And I'm super excited to be here. And thank y'all for coming and giving up your morning to come get some yummy breakfast and free coffee and childcare and all that good stuff. So no, we're going to do, we're going to have fun. Um, I have some slides of my family. My, okay. So this is, uh, Doug, my husband and me when we got married. Um, so we're going on 24 years. That was 1992. This is my kiddos, Benson and Brooke, when they were little. And now that's all of us now, right? That was taken right before Benson went off to school. So went off to college. Um, so he's 20, and she's 16, and Doug and I just turned 50 this last two weeks, so we're still in shock. Um, anyway, I am looking forward to this. Um, it has been really awesome for my marriage and me to research on this. God's perf- perfect timing was obvious, because um, this is something that I really need to grow in. Uh, so you can imagine... Um, all that I've learned over the past, you know, few months of knowing this. Um, I wanted to just kind of start with a verse that reminded me why we're doing this today. Um, Titus 2.4 says, um, these older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, um, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. So we're going to um, look back. We're going to look over scripture, really, this morning, a lot of scripture. Um, I won't bring you a lot of opinions, or really probably any at all, but just scripture and what can we do with it? How can we apply it? What does it mean? What might it look like? Um, and how can we look at the, the role of wife and maybe some places where we want to um, change some things or we want to just be instructed in the truth? Um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, I, would th- I think Doug and I would both agree that marriage is the most rewarding but most complicated thing that we've ever done, uh, either of us. So I'm coming to you today, just kind of, I mean, this is pretty intimate, small group, but I'm really more of a one-on-one person. So um, let's pretend that we're in my living room and we're just talking, having a cup of coffee or water. Um, and we'll talk about just struggles and things like that. I want you to know I struggle too um, with, as I am sure that you do, with sin getting into the way of of me being the wife that God calls me to be. So um, the difference between you and I really only is that I've been growing in this longer probably than you have. Um, My kids are older now, so the day-to-day looks a lot different, obviously, than yours does. Um, but the heart issues are really the same. So I'll just kind of give you a little insight on me. Um, I, just to know me better, I struggle with a critical spirit toward my husband. Anybody identify with that? (laughs) Um, And I'm really good at defensiveness when I'm confronted by him that I'm doing something different than he wants me to do. Um, I'm not the best listener, and I'm a great interrupter. Um, And I tend to see things from a black and white point of view, and I wonder why he doesn't. Um, I could go on and on, but the point is, there's sin. Sin that gets in the way. Um, But Christ says that that's not who I am. 
And he has a victorious and abundant role for me as wife. And so today, that's kind of what we're going to focus on. I want to talk about the wives we can be when we let the one who created us be the one that guides us. Um, So let's pray really quick and just um, before we open the word. Father, we just come before you as wives and mothers, and um, I pray that our hearts will be open to your truths and to transformation in whatever area that you would see fit, Lord. Um, I pray that I will be authentic and that I'll accurately handle your word this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay, um, good news and bad news. I have good news and bad news. Bad news first, we cannot do this. We cannot on our own be godly wives. There's no way we weren't meant to do it um, by ourselves. We were meant to do it only through Christ, our Savior. Um, We're tripped up by sin, and the curse is real. If you haven't ever read about the curse, I'm going to read it. Um, Well, I'm going to read that in a minute. But the real curse here in Genesis 3.16 says, Then God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So some of you have experienced that recently, that pain and physical pain. Um, The good news is that when we know Christ as our Savior and surrender our life to him, we do have what it takes. We do have godly wife written all over us. My Sunday school teacher, when we were first married, used to say, you are the perfect wife in Christ. You are the perfect mom in Christ. So remember that uh, when you're feeling like you're imperfect, which we really are on our own. He'll work in us to make us the woman and the wife he wants us to be. Um, And when he made you, he made you for with your husband in mind, with your marriage in mind. So that is a great comfort. Um, So if you're here today and you don't know how to have a relationship with Christ or you don't know him personally, reach out to us, come after. I'll want to talk to you about that. I'm going to introduce you to him today if, again. And if you haven't ever been introduced to him, then we will do that for the first time today. But in, welcome you, invite you to come up after if you want to talk more about what that looks like. Um, so let's be reminded now, just from Scripture, Genesis 2, about God's design for marriage. And I think, yeah, okay. That next slide. Um, all right, Genesis 2. 18 starts like this and goes on. Uh, Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man and to see what he would call the, to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So that is the story of how he created wife. Um, Verse 20, let's just look at it. A couple of these verses. um, 
man alone ruling, was alone ruling the earth. He didn't have anybody else like him. And so clearly he needed um, a mate. He needed a helper. Um, and our men need us. They, they need us to be all that God called them to be. Um, and we're going to talk more about the helper a little bit later. But then back in, down in verse 22, um, we see how God made us, the woman, out of the side of the man. He took the rib out of the side. And um, most scholars want us to see that that's a sign of companionship. He didn't take us from any other part of his body but his side. Um, and that symbolizes intimacy, companionship, and just the role that he wants us to play with fellowship and equality. And then verse 24, the husband then leaves his family for his wife. Um, and so we can take from that, you know, <clears throat> that's the time. The marriage is the time then for that divide away from his f- original family into you. Um, so both the husband and the wife, for, for both of us, the marriage relationship really should come first before any other relationship on earth um, after only our relationship with, with God. So we can see kind of how God set the family up. He set up, you know, Christ as the head and then the husband and then the wife and then later on there'll be children. And that's just so key into how he wants us to live our lives. And that really is the map of, of priorities we can look at as wives. And so if you need help with your priorities, or that's just kind of one of the things that I love, love to talk about with, with moms. And, and even in our community is just how we line up our priorities. Because I, I believe in, it's clear in scripture. And so we can kind of go from that. So call me if you want to talk about priorities, because I love that. Um, I don't always get it right, but you know, it's a constant battle for that. Um, anyway, this is our most important earthly role, ladies, if we're married, is to be the helper to our husbands, a helper suitable for our unique husband. Um, and the world, you know, I think you all know, the world's going to kind of tell you, like, you need to be everybody, everything to everybody. You need to be super mom and super volunteer and delivering food to anybody who needs it and, um, school volunteer, you know, community. There's just so many things that we can do. Um, or even friends, you know, like you need to lead out. You need to lead in your marriage and you need to get this done and be the leader. And we need to focus on God's priorities. Um, the truth really is that he shows us the order in which things need to go. Our value comes from him. Um, and our joy comes from following his ways. I found um, Psalm 119.1 is helpful for this. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. So we are really set up for success if we will follow his word. Um, and I know you came to know today how you can best help your husbands. And I want you, my desire, my prayer has been that you not leave here um, overwhelmed or discouraged or thinking you have to fix, you know, a multitude of things. But take one or two things we talk about today and, and think about them and, and kind of apply those. But really, I wanted you to leave here with like, okay, what, what do we talk about? So we're going to do H-E-L-P. And you can, throughout your days, just remember, H-E-L-P, we're going to talk about what we are. We are helper. We are encourager. We are lover, and we are prayer. 
So that's all today. Simple, take it with you, think about it when you're walking through Costco, whatever. Um, And of course, that's not an exhaustive list of all the things we are, but I think that we can fit so much into just those four categories that it will be really, really helpful to us. Um, Okay, so yeah, that. Okay. Let's start with, um, with helper. Uh, we are his helper. Proverbs 31, 11, and 12. Um, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So this comes from Proverbs 31, which um, probably lots of us are familiar with. And that is a portrait, kind of a painting, kind of an image of... Um, a very godly wife. And so not probably a literal person. I don't know that for sure, but just a great guideline, a great resource and encouragement for us to go to. I don't think we should expect ourselves to live up to Proverbs 31 um, all the time. Like we, you know, not striving to become that, but take things from it, turn to it every now and then, and really be encouraged by the different um, the, the big picture of Proverbs 31. Um, so the Bible tells us we are a helper suitable, a helper just right. That was the New Living Translation that I read of, out of. And I love the wording of helper just right. So we might think that helper sounds inferior. Um, a lot of people do, and it's not inferior. Uh, we need to think again. Genesis 2.18, when it talks about a helper... Um, like we just read, it uses the same word as the Bible uses when it speaks about God as our helper. So that's really something to think about. Um, I didn't know that always. And um, that's a position of honor that we have and given to us to help our husband because he has the primary responsibility. So you might want to jot down other passages we can look to about help. Um, Exodus 18.4, Deuteronomy 33.7. I believe I put all these on the back sheet for you. I I wrote down just tons of scripture. I didn't look them up for you and write them down, but you can do that. And that's a great study time for you. But Hebrews 13.6 is another one. Um, The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. Psalm 33.20, he is our help and our shield. So you can see from these that being a helper is not a subordinate role. Um, We as helpers are equal in value and in, um, but we're different in role, equal in value, different in role to God and to our husbands. Um, that's just a tremendous value that God gave us for good to be used, and he designed you know, us to <clears throat> complete our husbands. If you think about a CEO of a company, I mean, they can't run the company by themselves. They need valuable help all around them. So that's another good visual, I think, um, So what does it look like? I mean, we can talk about all these scriptures, but what does it look like nitty-gritty in our homes? Um, So I just wanted to think of some practical things for each one of the the little divisions here. Um, So practically, we can be joyful and confident as we set a peaceful tone in our home. Um, We all know our husbands are... Some of them are out working. Some are working in the home. But the home... God wants it to be a haven and a place of rest and a place of peace, not a place of strife. Um, None of us want to go to a place of strife, and we don't want that for our husbands after um, they're out in the world all day long. Um, Another fun, good thing to do is find a good time to ask him, hey, honey, you know, how 
can I help you the most? Like what would be your desire, things that you would like for me to kind of take care of weekly, daily? Ask him. I mean, that's, you know, great communication. And, and he, it might take him a while to kind of come up with a few things, but at least you're communicating about that and asking him, um, how can you lighten his load? You know, and, ha- and then execute on those things. Um, we can be observant and be a good listener, be a student of our husband, know the things that he loves and doesn't love, um, his unique needs and preferences. Make that your job. It is your job. So um, remember that. And for, for me, helping Doug looks like um, listening more and talking less. He is a man of very few words. Some people down here can attest to that, right? My community, my mom. Um, man, a few words, and he gets overwhelmed, as probably a lot of your husbands do, gets overwhelmed with a lot of words coming at him. And so he has said, I love your concise explanations of things. And so 24 years, and I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Um, and you know, we know when they're frustrated. So we do not want to be a source of that. Um, so yes, concise explanations and it looks like me doing things that I know he doesn't like to do. Um, getting the mail, answering the phone. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't even know how to get the messages. Um, putting away the dry cleaning. You're, you already know some of these things about your husband, but as your marriage grows, you'll know more. Um, cleaning up after the dog in the yard. That does not go well for my husband. So, um, I'm happy to do that. It doesn't bother me. So um, pray over those things. If he is not telling you, pray that you'll have eyes to see what those are. And just you're just coming behind. You're making his job easier and his life better, as he, he probably is for you too. Um, <clears throat> know that your roles are going to be different than the girl next door, your friends, your community. Your roles at home are going to be different. If your husband delegates to you bill paying or car repairs, or Millie and I have done a lot of talking about this, just different things, yard work. Um, Know that your husband probably needs you to do that or thinks you're the best one to do it. Your giftedness is probably very different than his. So just have that in mind. Um, And and we'll try to do it joyfully. And, um, you know, use your gifts. We, We need to use those, especially in our marriage. We honor the Lord in our marriage when we do that. Um, and then there are two really big things, non-negotiables, uh, in the Bible. For And I did put them under help. I think they fit best here. One is respect. The other is submission. Um, so let's just go over respect first. It is emphatic in the Bible. It says, Ephesians 5.33, Paul writes, So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So that really doesn't leave us any wiggle room, right? And so to me, uh, and when I pray and I try to interpret this verse, um, I know that respect is a decision on my part. And so does your husband always act respectable? Does he always? No, I mean, they don't. We don't. They don't. So this is something that um, is shown when we revere them, we esteem them, we... um, prefer them. We, we honor them. It may look like value, valuing his opinion, um, affirming his wisdom and his character and considering his needs. If he asks us to do something, sure. You know, I've really practiced that. Sure. With a smile. Practice in front of the mirror. It goes well. 
And it doesn't come naturally for some of us. Um, okay, so we might, feel, we might feel respect for our husband, but if we don't show that to him, then the blessing is lost on us and them. Like if you feel, I feel a deep respect in my heart for my husband, but I, I don't always show it or, I mean, if you say I respect you, that's one thing, but you know, your actions are really gonna speak loudly to them. So be sure you're, you're showing that and don't lose that blessing for either of you. Um, and again, I mean, we don't show respect because they always act in a respectable way or they're always making great decisions or we always agree. But what we're doing is we're obeying the one above them and above us. We're obeying God when we decide to have a respectful attitude and show a respectful heart to them. Um, Okay, and now submission, submit, respect and submit. Um, Huge, Colossians 3.18, wives, Again, no wiggle room here. Submit to your husbands as is fitting for, the, for those who belong to the Lord. We are submitting to God when we do this, y'all. So if it's easier for you to think of it that way, do. Um, a lot of people have trouble with this word. I don't particularly have trouble with the word. I have trouble with the action sometimes. Um, but it, it doesn't get all over me. But I know it does for some people. Um, we submit to him out of reverence for Christ. And actually, we submit to one another. This is a mutual submission is what God wants. That's the ideal. But our part is to do our part. So for wives, uh, it means to submit to them as we submit to the Lord. For a husband, okay, well, I'm reading the scripture, 521 Ephesians. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. And that's a great thing to look into. Like, what does it mean that Christ is head of the church? Okay, that's a, great, that, that's a whole nother um, time of study that you could dive into. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. So the misconceptions about this are that we don't have an opinion that matters, that we just say yes no matter what to whatever they say. Well, that's really not what God was intending. Um, And that's negated, really, by the helper, by the helper um, description. We are the helper. We are not the, it's cliche, but we're not the doormat. I don't like cliches, but you understand what I'm saying, I think. Um, What God had in mind in the ideal, like I said, is mutual mutual love and mutual submission. So guard against believing that submission is a bad word because it's not. Obviously, it's in the Bible. So we aren't going to we aren't going to say that um or think that, hopefully. So it doesn't mean worthless or inferior. Um Christ really, if you think about it, Christ constantly submitted himself to his father without losing any of his worth. Um but that was his role. And so that's what he did. And he was blessed, of course. Um clearly voluntary submission to our husband's uh, sensitive and loving leadership is ideal. So as I do this, um, I'm completing Doug, and together we are a better one, glorifying the Lord. So, um, you know, they're going to need our help in decision-making. That's great, because that's what we're there for. Um, And they will ask, hopefully. So what do we do when they're not being being loving and when they're not being... um, Sensitive. Anybody know what that feels like? <laughs> um, so again, our attitude is the key. Our attitude, we're submitting. Just jump right over that husband in your mind and submit to Christ. 
um, we're entrusting ourselves to the one who made us. Peter spoke of Jesus as he was being ridiculed uh, in 1 Peter 2.23. He did, this is what it says, he did not retaliate, but kept entrusting himself over and over, kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. Um, and so when I entrust my life to God, it's easier to be the wife of an imperfect husband. So hopefully that helps thinking about it like that. Um, Let's see. So we're trusting God to guide our husbands uh, in those times when we have a little doubt and believing that he'll do this um, through his direction to them and his speaking to them through his Holy Spirit. So we just need to put ourselves in the place where God wants us to be. Um, and the good news is the burden, we, we, we shed a lot of the burden um, that we carry when, when we do this God's way. Um, it, much of that is taken off our shoulders when we let them lead us and when we let them do their job. Uh, it's really a beautiful design, and there's freedom from strife. And I'm sure that y'all have felt this. I hope you have, um, and I want to feel it more and more. So let's enjoy that freedom that God um, has for us. Okay, so I have this great story that I want to read about this submission topic. Um, this came from a lady who is, well, she's a, fran- she's a great friend of a great friend of mine, and she's a blogger, and you might have heard this before, but it's called The View from the Back. And um, she was to teach her church on the, kind of like today, the role of the wife, but she kind of put off writing that sub- submission lesson. It was like a six-week thing, but... So when it, it was getting down time to her be, for her to be finished and it was time for her and her husband to go on a trip and so she had left that lesson out and hadn't done it and um, so this is her story about that. Um, so they went to San Francisco on an anniversary trip. So she says, uh, after a tour of Alcatraz on a very windy and overcast day, my husband Bill and I saw a sign advertising bikes, bike rides across the Golden Gate Bridge. Let's do it, we decided, even though from where we stood, there was too much fog to even see the bridge. As we went to pay, we saw a tandem bike and decided that surely that would make our trip twice as fun. The owner of the bike shop was happy to rent the tandem bike to us, but not without some warnings and a test drive around the parking lot. He began by saying, riding a two-seater bike is a lot harder than it looks. You'll have a lot of fun, but you really have to work at it. So that's a Obviously, a great marriage metaphor. Um, his next warning was, let your husband do the work. He'll keep the wind off you and protect you on the ride. Just invo- you just enjoy the view. So off we went. I was fully preparing to enjoy the view when I realized that the person sitting on the back of the bike, the stoker they are called, has no brakes. It's a strange and scary feeling to know you have absolutely no control of the bike. We were facing a four-hour bike ride where I was going to have to trust Bill completely. Another great marriage lesson. As we were biking several times, I started to pedal faster than Bill. It wasn't that I meant to or was unhappy with our pace. I just got ahead of him. And literally every time I did this, Bill's feet flew right off his pedals. We'd have to take a second to regroup, at which time he would remind me that I was supposed to be letting him do the work. And I really was trying, but remember, it's harder than it looks. The reward came right before the sunset. 
We had climbed hill after hill to reach the bridge, and when we finally crossed it, this is the Golden Gate Bridge, we finally crossed it, it was the most amazingly beautiful scene I could have imagined. Out of nowhere, it seemed, the fog lifted, the winds died down, and the view was spectacular. The sun was sparkling off the water, ships were coasting out to sea, and small boats were coming in for the night. It was even more beautiful than the postcards. I was enjoying every minute of our ride and soaking in the breathtaking scenery. There's more to the story, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... Um, when we returned the bike, the owner looked at me and said, did you let him take the lead? When I responded affirmatively, he said, and you really enjoyed it, didn't you? I knew right then and there that God was showing me the lesson I was to write. So after the ride, we celebrated by going to Ghirardelli Square for giant hot fudge Sunday. While Bill was ordering, I scribbled on a napkin the lesson I knew God had given me. I keep that napkin in my Bible because, well, as a constant reminder that submission isn't a bad or oppressive thing. In fact, the original Greek word for submission, hupotasso, means to come under as if to protect. I no longer view submission as some outdated, subservient idea, although that is how I think Satan would like me to view it. Um, as I learned, it's not as easy as it looks. If I try to get ahead of my husband, I literally knock his feet out from under him. Although I couldn't see what was up ahead, Bill could. He took the wind, pulled the bike up a lot of hills, but working together and letting him take the lead actually made the ride easier on both of us. And I'm telling you, the view from the back of the bike is great. So, I love that story. Hope you like it. And maybe you can kind of remember that. Okay, um, one more little thing about helping. Um, other good things I thought to remember are that, again, we're not called to be all things to all people. And when we are doing that and we are buying into that, um, we're not letting our marriage take full priority over other relationships, even our kids. Y'all, I know you've got little ones at your feet and you're nursing and you've got, they need you physically. Um, but be sure that you are really investing in each other. Um, because right now you are forming habits in your family that you will still do when you've been married as long as we have and longer, I believe. Um, And so do those things now. Take time on the couch together where your kids can see when they get old enough to see. Um, Because that's where the, the heart of the home is formed is just you and him. So remember, you were a family before they came. And you're gonna be a family in that nest, the two of you, after they leave the nest. So... In the back of your, I know that sounds really hard to for the time to invest, but go on dates, do your best to plan and get away, get babysitters. Your kids will be fine, and your marriage will be better. Um, it is hard to be his helper if we're overwhelmed with activities and running around outside the home. That really is a very subtle. I think um, you know it gets us away from our main focus. So be careful. Are you asking God where you should be? And what you should be doing. And now, at this spring, is a great time to start praying about your fall schedule. Start praying about the commitments that you want for you and your kids. Because even if it's just, you know, I don't know what the things are today. Like Little Jim or Jimboree or, I mean, Playgroup. All those things, they can add up. And so look at your week and, and don't make it um, hard for you. It doesn't have to be. Um, and then you'll have more time. And you'll be a little bit more at ease when the day is over. Um, <clears throat> okay, so now I think after just two sections, the help, helper, and, well, have we done? No, we haven't done 
Encourager, sorry. Okay, we're going to move on to encourager. Then I'm going to give you some time to really think about um, applications, kind of things you might want to do. Okay, so moving on to E, we are his encourager. Um, and there's First Thessalonians 5 verse there. Um, this is, it's especially important for our guys. They don't get a lot of encouragement um, probably from the world. They might at their job, but they might not. So um, they're under a lot of pressure to provide and we need, they need a friendly face and heart to come home to. Scriptures um, to look at, I'll just read a couple because I, I don't want to go over time, but Proverbs twenty five eleven: a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Um, Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need and so that it benefits the one who listens. Um, Encourage one another daily, Hebrews 3.13. The scripture is rich for for us here in in, in giving us ideas. Most of this is going to be, a lot of it's going to be verbal um, encouragement. Keep doing that. That's part of our job, and it is very rewarding. Um, there are other practical ways to encourage them. You know, not all verbal, but we do have a lot of influence verbally. Um, and remember, the more humility we have ourselves, the more we're able to encourage another person, our spouse. So pray for humility for yourself and um, just to find, you know, words that are fitting, words of life, um, to show them how valuable they are. And some ideas, kind of other ideas just for encouragement, greet them face-to-face when they come in. I know that um, I probably got this from home, from the way we did things when I was growing up. But just, I mean, when he comes home, like that's the biggest thing that happens all day for you. Um, It should be, you know, like he's your guy. He's the one that you have eyes for. And so when that door opens and closes, I mean, kind of be ready for that. I mean, you know, don't be on the phone. If you can, if you are just got to go, you know, um, get maybe run a brush through your hair, put some (laughs) lip gloss on, comb the little wet comb on the babies or kiddos. Um, it, it only takes a little bit of effort and it really makes a big difference. Um, I used to ask Doug to please call me when he was on his way home and that served a few purposes and we'd be able to like halfway discuss what was going on at the time, if there was any discipline or, you know, kind of what the day had been like. But then I would know like, okay, he's, you know, going to roll in pretty soon. So we'd kind of shove the toys away and you know, just settle down. Sometimes I put one of them in the playpen or both of them or, you know, just get everybody settled. That was, a, I mean, he, I think he would say today that that makes a difference and I still do it. Um, I still do it. If, if they're, I'll clean up my stuff, you know, and kind of shut down my world. Um, and that's a big deal to him. So I bet it would be encouraging if you're not already doing that. Um, because I, he has said to me, you know, you, you just keep going sometimes. And if I can kind of wrap things up, it, it's encouragement to him so that I'm kind of there for him. Um, we all, you talked about making your home a haven. Um, Proverbs 14, 1, a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish one tells, tears hers down um, with her own hands. And you know how to suit that home, or you can pray that you'll know how to suit that home just for your husband. And your children. Um, talk to him positively and build him up to your kids throughout the day. When you know, just talk about daddy. 
Um, you probably already do this, but just remember like, oh, daddy would love that. Or, oh, he, you know, that's his favorite kind of car, whatever. Anything you can bring him into your family conversations during the day and keep him um, on your minds and on your heart. Um, it's also really affirming when you talk about him positively in front of him and other people. Don't forget to do that. I mean, I'm not saying make stuff up or be fake, but if you're thinking something sweet about him in front of your group or whatever, just say it. I mean, like everybody loves to hear their name or something great about them that somebody else loves. So just take take some effort and some thinking. Um, Dwell on his strong points. Rejoice in his victories. Console him in conflict. Be there to laugh with him. Um, A merry heart does good like medicine. Every time, almost every time I call my mom and dad, there's laughing. They're laughing. They are laughing. They're having fun over there. So that's pretty amazing. Um, okay, Philippians 4, 8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. This has been a key verse for me in a lot of areas in my life, but this is perfect for dwelling on those things you love about your husband. Um, And that will change your heart and change your attitude every time. Um, Okay, remember, don't look for perfection, just look for direction. If he is making progress in some area and you're blessed by that, talk about it. Tell him, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Wow, I really saw a difference there today or yesterday, whatever. Praise him for his faithfulness and progress. Um, It matters, even in small things. Because you're his greatest cheerleader, and you want to be his greatest cheerleader, right? You don't want somebody at the office or anywhere to be a great cheerleader better than you are for him. Um, You have the most influence in his life. Okay, so I do want to take some time now. We're just going to play a little music and let you think about helper and encourager and write down. I put a a page kind of toward the back for a little application page. Just um, think of things, like maybe one or two things that just stood out to you in that part. Something you might want to do differently, something you are doing great that you want to keep doing. Um, Just take a few minutes and write that down. Then we'll keep going. Well, I'll be your rainy day lover Whenever the sunny days end And whatever the weather We have each other And that's how the story will end Well, I'll be your shade tree in summer If you'll be my fire when it's cold And whatever the season will, we'll keep on breathing Cause we'll have each other to hold And I'll hold you And I'll sing Forever 
Millie. <laughs> this is being recorded, so you're on. Um, okay, so L is for lover. We are his lover. Um, so I want to talk about several kinds of love that the Bible talks about, and that was really fun for me to dig into. Um, and they all, apl- they all apply to marriage. Um, so skip down on your handout to the verse, uh, first Peter. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So the kinds of love mentioned in the Bible most often regarding relationships are philia and agape. Um, And philia means love that esteems and respects, um, brotherly love. Agape speaks of unselfish commitment and a choice to love God by loving others without expecting something in return. So you can see how those apply to marriage. Um, Agape is based on the deliberate choice of the lover rather than the worthiness of the one being loved. So that sounds like the way Jesus loves us. Um, So the love we have uh, for our husbands and children need that philea, brotherly companionship love as well as agape to be all the blessing that God wants for us. Um, So challenge you to look in the Bible and do a little word study on those types of love and what they look like. Um, and that will enrich your home, I'm sure. Um, <clears throat> okay, Ephesians 5.33, another, some other verses to me- meditate on. So again, I say each man should love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so um, what does that look like? How do we show love like this? Um, companionship, friendship, I think having a loving concern for our husbands. Um, making time to be with them and do things that they like to do. And hopefully they're doing the same for us. Um, And like we talked about, prioritizing time with them over time with other people. Um, 
honestly, if you have a, ch- I've kind of made a practice of being, just being at home, not really going any place at night. That's the only time I see my husband for the most part is at night. And so really, I mean, it is rare that I would go to a meeting or a, even a Bible study, anything at night. Um, cause I just don't want to be gone, you know, and I don't think that's great for us either. Um, and he does the same. Um, and this is also kind of love that is unconditionally accepting of him, just like God made him. Um, and for me to, I mean, this is great to say these things. These are really hard things to, to take another person, your spouse, and just think, okay, this is the way God made him. And he gave him to me. And so I'm not going to try to change it. Um, it's not really up to us to change, change him. Uh, we're going to talk a little more about that, but not that nothing needs changing, but that we're not really the changers. Um, Doug and I were in, went to some some marital counseling. I don't know, it was a few years back, and our counselor just kept pointing out like the all of the differences between us. And we literally, like most of you, probably are we're opposites. We are we think oppositely. Like we see something, and I see it one way, he sees it another. And the counselor just kept saying over and over, "It's not wrong. It's just different." It's not wrong. It's just different. And we say that all the time now. We'll just look at each other like, it's not wrong. It's just different. And it's a great thing to remember because God made me one way. He made him another way. Um, another, a great thing to do that has helped us, and you've probably heard about it, is love languages. Um, figure out there are five kind of love languages that this author and researcher put together, and it really does help. I mean, you can go online and do the little quiz of the five love languages. I think I put it in there for you on the end. Um, And know what's like top of their list. Know how they feel the most love. It might be words of encouragement. It might be um, quality time or receiving gifts or acts of service, or it might be physical touch. It probably is physical touch if it's a guy. Um, Let's be real. And I mean, it always comes up to the top, you know, not always, but most of the time. Comes up at the top of the list. Um, another thing I wanted to just share with you is an idea to be, a, to love them well, is it, when you have a conflict, when you come out on the other side of that, usually I think we learn something good. Hopefully we learn something about our spouse or something about ourselves. Maybe just keep a journal that's only about that. You know, I wish I had done that when I was your age. I would have so much to draw from now. But we get busy, we forget, we slip back into the same habits, you know, the same things that are not comfortable for the other person. So maybe just start writing those things down. You know, like something he asks of you to maybe work on. It just would help, I think. And I'm halfway into to the marriage, but I can still do it now. I mean, it would be helpful. Something I wish I had done. Um, another thing is just to practice forgiving in your own mind, like forgive, 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 because there's going to be things that come up and we can overlook small offenses, right? We can have that attitude of forgiveness, like just keep moving. Lord, help me to forgive that. You know, we don't even need to talk about it. Some things obviously we need to talk about, we need to bring up, but overlooking small offenses blesses both of you. Um, and then another, just you've heard probably the verse, it's Ephesians 4:26 about not letting the sun go down on your anger. Um, and I saw a great, I thought, okay, how do I do that? Because we don't always want to talk about it before 
I mean, I'm a very little, literal person. I told you that already, black and white. But, like, does that mean we don't go to bed? I mean, like, we stay up till 2 in the morning and talk it out until both of us are... No. Um, you can lay your head on the pillow and forgive them until the next morning and just lay your anger to rest. Um, and I think that helps me. It helps him. And we've gotten better about doing that. And there'll be a time in the morning or tomorrow we can talk about it better. A lot of times, that's not the time to talk. So encouraged about that. Um, Practice Colossians 3. Clothe yourself with kindness. This is all about what we do. Clothe yourself with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. That could be be a whole talk right there. Um, Just Christ-likeness. I've put all these verses in the back like I told you. Does he know that you're his biggest fan? Does he feel loved by your words and by your tone? Um, remember, he can't be perfect and you can't be perfect. So just let grace cover that. Give yourselves grace and cut each other some slack. Okay, Ashley has a great story. She's one of our leaders. Y'all probably already know, all know her, but um, I loved this. And this is just a good, good illustration. Um, she and her husband were thinking about moving, I believe, and they decided before they, you know, made that decision, I guess, it's, hey, why don't we drive into our neighborhood like we don't live here and like we've never seen it before. And let's look at it like that. So they did that and they drove in. Oh my gosh, look at that playground. That's so cool. We can go, we'll be able to play there. Oh, this house, it's so cute from the street. This driveway, they can skate up and down. The, this tree, well, how beautiful. Okay, fresh eyes. And they were like, hey, we like our house. We like our neighborhood. Um, and to me, that was like, oh my gosh, we can so do that with our husbands and other people for that matter. But with our husbands, just dwell, I mean, at, pray for fresh eyes, a fresh view. Like, what did you love about him when you first, you know, saw him or got to know him? And just really, that's kind of Philippians 4, 8, dwell on what is true and beautiful and look at him in a new way, and that will change your heart when it needs to be changed. Um, Okay, now time for the best part. We've all been looking forward to you. We are our husband's passionate lover. This is the other kind of love, um, obviously. And this may be your husband's number one need, um, and it is our privilege to be, the think about this, the only, one and only, God-given source of this kind of love for him that God would have. We are the only source. Other kinds of love they can get from other places, other kinds of fulfillment. But this kind of fulfillment, no, only from us, our very selves. Um, So think about that. Okay, some fun facts about sex. Super healthy, y'all. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're supposed to laugh. Like, y'all, come on. Loosen up. It releases endorphins, fights depression, and helps you sleep better. You probably know this already. It's a great cardio workout. Your heart rate might reach 130 beats per minute. See, then you don't have to work out. Improves your skin tone, your color, and increases your blood flow, and just generally improves health. I did not know this. Um, It's good medicine. Heightens your pain threshold and may help chronic conditions like arthritis, lower back pain, and even PMS. Um, really, though, the best thing about physical <laughs> physical intimacy is that it's been gifted to us by God and just for our marriages. And it's a gift to be opened, enjoyed, cherished, kept forever. 
um, unwrap it often. Okay, so for all these reasons, and because we love our husbands, it needs to be on our minds. Um, children are there and, and keep us busy and make us tired. And I remember that being kind of my biggest thought was like, I am so tired, I could just drop. Um, so we've got to kind of turn that upside down if we can. So, and, and that still happens, I will tell you. Your, your kiddos are your, um, kind of drain your energy right now, but other things drain your energy later. I mean, we, we, if I, I take a nap, I'm going to take a nap today. I mean, like, it, I have to, you know? I mean, if it's not the children, it will be the things you sign up for. It will be, it will be something. Um, so don't think that once your kids are grown that that's going to change if you don't make a change now. Um, so I would say um, think about it. So for us, we know for women intimacy, physical intimacy is a heart issue. It's an emotional issue and it really takes us time to prepare ourselves. Um, I think most of us would agree with that. So take, we need to be taking the time. You can, we can think about that and really get ready during our day. And so you're not caught off guard, you know, when it's six o'clock, seven, eight, nine later, and then you just go to bed and crash. And so, um, really help yourself um, by keeping it on your mind. Um, we, another thing that we received, a blessing from our counseling, was that I was expressing you know, my need and my desire to connect with my husband emotionally and um, spiritually even. And our counselor, so sweet, he was like, okay, this physical intimacy, that is the initial way that he connects with you. Like, this, these are your ways of connecting with him. This is his way of connecting with you. It will allow him to hear you better, to understand you better. Um, I mean, does, it, does this make sense? Do y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It opens their mind, opens their ears. That's the way they are wired, made. Um, and so that's the truth. So for us, it's different. Um, and hopefully they're, they're aware of that as well. Um, so what can we do to make this part of our marriage richer. Um, Realize the mind and the heart related for us. Dwell on that. Um, In the book, Intimate Issues, I did put that on the resource list. It's a really great book. It changed my heart about this um, after meditating on some of the things there. But the author stressed that the mind is our most sexual organ as women and to use it to become the godly and sensual lover that God made us to be. This means preparing our minds during the day to be available to our husbands. It's right pure and holy to daydream about him, cultivate a mindset of availability and sometimes even of being an initiator. Um, Plan for it. Okay, so like I said, in the afternoon, if you need to put down what you're doing, laundry, I mean, I would venture to say probably your husband's not going to be upset if the laundry is not completely done and the dishes are not completely done, but you have energy and that you're there for him. Um, so lay down and just rest if you need to sleep and get some energy back. Keep your eye on the calendar. Um, we all know this. I'm not talking to anybody who doesn't know this, but keep your eye on the calendar. How long has it been? Um, are they going to travel soon? Have they been traveling? Just be aware, you know, and be available 
um, and trust the Lord that he's going to give you everything you need to meet this need um, because he says he will. Um, if you if you struggle with spontaneity, <laughs> we were talking about this the other day, um, being spontaneous, which I do because I'm very like, I want to be, I'm a planner. Um, then work on that. Pray about it because mo- a lot of our husbands are spontaneous. Like they love that. Spontaneity is part of the fun. And so I know that I need to get better about that. Um, pray and practice that mindset. Prepare yourself mentally. It's a great thing to be good at being spontaneous. Um, another thing that, that is super helpful, re- take advantage of this book. There, if you haven't read Song of Solomon, it's awesome. Go read it. It will change your thinking um, about physical intimacy with your husband. Solomon's wife in the Bible did use imagery and um, word pictures to prepare her heart and her mind. Um, and we can do the same. Be affectionate. Um, just put this at the top of your mind um, and, and think about it. And just affectionate gestures help a lot. Um, like we talked about spiffing up before he gets home. That's something we can do. Um, and then I love what Allison Treadaway does. She has a little note and it just says SF, okay, SS, save some for Marshall, FM, SSFM. And to her, it just means save some for Marshall, just save some energy. She puts it kind of like all over. He doesn't know what it means and he's never even asked. But it just reminds her, like, don't wear yourself out physically so that you're just no good to him when he gets home or on the weekend or whatever. Um, So anyway, I thought that was cute. Um, But I know that's one of the biggest hurdles is just being physically worn out. Um, But we don't want to get too caught up in tasks because really I think the enemy uses that to make us feel fulfilled when the real fulfillment is here in the marriage. Um, And another thing, have honest conversations with your husband about frequency and about what he thinks is a great or good um, amount and come together on that and, and don't fall into the trap of not talking about it. Um, we did fall into that trap, and it took forever to correct. And then, um, I'm going out of a limb here, but I'm going to say what I believe and what has been good for me. There's really no good reason to say no. There's no good reason to say no. I mean, unless you're throwing up, and he's not going to ask anyway. So, you know what I mean? So, really have that mindset. There's, there's not, unless I'm not thinking, but... I think that's true. Uh, Dennis Rainey says, when a wife resists intimacy, is uninterested or is only passively interested, her husband may feel rejected and this cuts at his self-image, can tear him to the very center of his being and create isolation. Um, And we don't want to do that. So um, pray for this area of your marriage, uh, that it would be fun and rich as God intended it to be. Uh, And we have one more section. I'm going to race through because I know that I'm close to the end. I had to tell those good stories though. So we are his prayer. Um, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. You can read that. Um, We have this unique role of praying for our husbands like no one else will. No one else is going to pray for your husband like you will. Um, this is an area that I want to get better at. I need to get better at. Um, we are a warrior on, on their behalf. Um, okay, and so just really there are so many times in marriage, I think when praying is the, 
the better thing to do than what we really want to do, which might be pressuring, nagging, criticizing, pushing, wishing, talking, you know, hoping, talking about him to other people, to your friends. Just pray. Pray for the changes you want to see. We are the prayer. We're not the fixer. That's going to take a ton of pressure off of you. Um, and I, one of our, um, if you know about our re-engaged ministry um, at Watermark, the, what you're going to hear over and over there is draw a circle around yourself and fix everybody inside. And so he's doing the same. And so, but even if he's not doing the same, that's our part. Just fix whoever's in the circle. Um, and we're busy enough, you know, trying to fix ourselves and pray, pray for that. But instead of doing all those other things, those actions, let's just commit to pray for the changes that we hope for in our husbands. Um, instead of nagging or being that dripping faucet, like Millie reminded me the other day, that a dripping faucet is a problem. Think about it. What happens if you let it continue to drip? And the Bible says we are a dripping faucet if we're talking more than we're praying for our husbands. Um, Pray that he would be a man after God's own heart. There are lots of prayer verses. I'm going to skip over some of that um, because I did write them down. But pray for community for you all, for mentors. Um, Here at Watermark, you know, we're huge on community. It's really actually mandated. The actual community itself is mandated, not the form. You look at it, it's in some different forms and the way that you come about that. But that's just having other like-minded couples around you who will call you to truth, who will keep you accountable, who will talk to you as a couple um, and just bounce things off related to the Bible and be truthful about your questions and answers so that you know that you're not alone and you can take that to someone who knows what God wants as well. Um, Acts 2 just talks about community. Acts 2 and 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is our model for communities. We know it's important. You've got to have other people speaking into your marriage. Um, And finally, we can pray for ourselves, for humility and grace, um, to see our sin and our part in every conflict, in every bump in the road. What can we do? Um, Just looking inward rather than trying to tell them what they need to do. Um, Okay, we talked about the circle. And uh, let's see... Okay, and then just praying against characteristics that we're warned about. Like, I mean, look through the, the word in the scripture about the sharp tongue. Like I said, the dripping faucet, a critical spirit. All those things we want to pray against in ourselves. So praying for him, praying for your marriage, and praying for yourself. Um, and just take a few minutes. There's a short, short song. Okay, yeah, take a few, just a minute to kind of write down, okay, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to take from lover and encourager? And then we'll wrap up. There's no need to complicate it. Dress it up or overstate it Without too much hesitation Here's the way I feel I like you, I like you Even when I don't try to Yes, I do, that's the truth I like you Seven years is a long, long while So 
say almost most the time he's the way I feel. I like you, just like you, even when I don't try to. Yes, I do. That's the truth. I like you. Think they've got it all wrong. 'Cause life is not the mountain tops; it's the walking in between. And I like you walking next to me. Thanks for taking the time to do that. Okay, um, just to wrap up, um, an encouragement I have: just take God's promises for you um, in all these things um, over your huge responsibility of being a wife. You can lay His promises. Um, he makes us new. We have all we need at all times. I put all these scriptures down for you. God's armor. We've got it. Um, he will never leave us. He's at work in us, giving the power, giving us the power and the desire to do what pleases Him. Um, we can live out the gospel in our marriages by being quick to repent and forgive and go forward, um, and just rest in His love for you. It's never too late to recommit to God's design um, for our wife, our role as a godly wife. So. Take your applications home and be encouraged um, as you as you go about praying over your marriage. And I wanted to just share another thing. You know, obviously we're tra- we're training the next generation, right? You've got little people, and they're looking, they're watching, and as important uh, as our marriage is to the Lord, and we've talked so much about that now um, for our children. Think about how you were impacted and how you're impacted today and how you will, you will be, I promise you, forever by the relationship of your parents. And so, um, I mean, I know I'm shaped by that and we all are, no matter what it was, whether it was wonderful or whether it was painful or all of the above. Um, consider that and, and it is, it's of grave importance. We know that. Um, I received a letter for my birthday last week from my son, who's 20 or about to be 20. And, um, it was his, his point in the letter. It was very encouraging and very, very sweet, but his point was in the letter that it wasn't so much what we said, um, in our home or what we taught him, you know, by words, but it was what we did. And he said that it was what you did. It was your um, loving the Lord with your life. And he said, and supporting dad. That's what he said. Loving and supporting dad. And 
I was like, wow. Okay, so just be encouraged and know that it's not, all, it's not really all the things you say. And I know we hear that, but that was confirmed by, you know, a 20-year-old college student the other day for me, and it, I, I thought I would share that with you. Um, great blessing, and you will receive the fruit um, of your love for God and your love for your husband. When, we, when we're obedient, we will. So I know, um, I'm just going to add, I know that in a group this size that there's bound to be some um, unhealthy marriages, some really painful situations. And um, we know that. And, and a lot of us have been through painful situations in marriage. And so we're here for you. Um, reach out. Reach out to your husband if you can and talk with, with him about your pain, if you've got it, and then, or, or about your situation. Reach out to community, other people. Widen the circle when you need to. But we're here. If you don't have those things, come and talk to us after um, because they're available. People, groups, re-engage, regeneration, our recovery ministry. There is help, so don't feel um, alone because you are not alone. Um, and then I'll close with this verse, Isaiah 33, 6. Remember, he, God, will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord, reverent obedience to him, is the key to this treasure. So he will be the sure foundation of your times. Not a perfect marriage, not even a great marriage or well-behaved children. Um, God will be the sure foundation for your life. So make him what you long for, and he will fill you and empower you to excel and do what he has for you. Um, For we are his workmanship. I wrote that on the application page, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So let's go and help and love and encourage, help and encourage and love and pray for this role we've got and enjoy it. Okay, thanks. Okay, awesome, wonderful. Thank you so much, Jill. What a blessing to get that from Benson. Did he know you were actually doing a talk on marriage? Uh, well, I think so, because he, two weeks ago he knew. Okay. I don't, he probably wasn't. Yeah, but he probably didn't even connect that. Yeah, he but, might be So That's awesome. Sometimes I think about, like, okay, how am I doing in these areas? And I think, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. And then I think, what do my kids see? Yeah. Am I really doing good? Because, you know, sometimes I think about when I was a kid, I went through a period where I longed to see my parents kiss and not like make out, but I needed (laughs) some sort of affirmation that they kind of liked each other and they never did. And they divorced when I was 15. It's a very sad story, but, um, but you still, it's like, I think about that. It's like, do my parents, I I long to see that affection, you know, and we think our kids are grossed out by it, but, um, it is important. Okay. Discussion questions. We're going to take about 10 minutes, uh, table time. In the meantime, any questions you have, please text that number on the bottom. Real quick correction, if you turn to the last page of your handout where there's resources, the book Sacred Influence is actually written by Gary Thomas. Um, Gary Chapman is the guy who wrote The Five Love Languages, so, which is also a great, great book. So anyway, if you want to make that, in case you were struggling on Amazon, that's there. So, Okay, 10 minutes and we'll be back. Question for you, Jill. What do you do when husband has no sex drive and there's nothing medically wrong? Okay. You can find. Um... Well, I think start with what does the word say when we have a, an issue, a difficulty. Um, I would say first, really communicate. Um, and don't, like I said before, don't fall into the trap of not talking about um, intimacy issues. Okay, so 
and also don't feel bad. I'm like, you, I mean, this is something that both of you need. And so um, I would say pray mainly, talk and pray, pray more um, that he would have a desire. I think that's what my husband does when I'm lacking. I mean, hitting 50 is weird because you all of a sudden you don't care about that as much. And um, I know he prays for that for me. So I would pray for your husband to um, have a desire. And the other thing is that we know that God wants that. We know that that is his will. From his word, we know that his will is that we both desire that gift and experience that gift. And so you also know that when you pray God's will, that is going to be answered. He's going to do his will. So be patient, continue to pray, communicate, if you are in community, I would talk to your husband about bringing that to, up to the guys. Um, not in mixed company, probably, but that's one huge reason why we need community. We need other people around us because that would definitely be something that would isolate you or him because it's so personal and it's so fragile and it's so emotional. You know, it's just a big deal. You don't want to talk to people about that, but I would say community, that definitely would be helpful. Um, but first I would just ramp up the prayers and wait for God to answer. And I'm not trying to say a simple answer. I think this is a, it's, I wouldn't say, you know, it's, everybody has this, but it is common. It does happen. I have a very dear friend who deals with this and, um, God has answered, God has answered her prayers and kind of reformed their, their marriage. So be encouraged. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I would just add to that. Um, if he's not willing to bring it to the guys in community, I want you feel the freedom to bring it. You know, that's part of the beauty of community because it's, um, you know, especially from the woman's perspective, that's really hard. It's kind of the stereotype that um, the guy would be rejected by the girl. I'm tired. I don't want, you know, but it's like, it's, I feel like as a woman, it messes with us differently. Like we, that's part of like making us feel beautiful. So I know that really, um, can hit a very sensitive spot. So you are totally not alone. This is actually, I think we get probably a question on this almost every talk. Would you say bring it to girls um, in community for sure? Bring it to the girls, tell the girls to bring it to their guys and ask them to bring it. yeah. Yeah, no, but I mean, well for our group, it's, hey, what I bring to the girls is full freedom to tell your husbands that is full freedom for them to ask them. So there's not really like a lot of secrecy there. It's like, I have got, you know, otherwise, and that's if he's not willing, you know, and you can say, look, if I'm, I really need you to bring this issue to the guys or to bring it up the next time we're all together as couples, um, you know, because it's hurting us and I don't know what to do, you know, like I've cried about it. I don't know, you know, like I'm begging, I don't know what else I can do. And so um, widening that circle, give him, you know, the option to do it first and yeah, then, process um, of exactly. And then, and okay then go, I've got to, I've got to bring this to the girls or we've got to bring it to the group. So, yeah. um, but yeah, that's, that's a tough one, but she's right. You know, continue to pray. I mean, we were talking about how, um, everybody has sex issues in marriage somehow in some form or another, and they, they do morph over time. You know, I feel like our issues, the first six years of marriage have changed to, you know, differently. And a lot of it is I started praying for an, uh, a holy sex life. And I was like, that sounds like an oxymoron, but what does it look like for this to be fully pleasing to God? You know, and, and he has totally answered that prayer and it's taken a while. It's taken years, but things that were big struggles, um, initially and things that I swore were his fault. I was like, all right, God, if I have anything to do with this, help me to see my part. (laughs) And then I realized so much of what, um, I learned from my past and my view of sex kind of growing up. 
um, how that was shaping, you know, my frustrations. And so, um, anyway, God, God does change and morph over time. And just to keep that communication flowing, that is, it is so awkward sometimes to be like, Hey, how are we doing in our sex life? You know, <laughs> especially if you want him to bring it up and sometimes he just won't. So t- for you to just continue to do that, even if you're like, we've already talked about it. Well, it was three months ago. So let's, let's talk about that again. Let's revisit that in a safe way. Cause you want what he wants. You want intimacy. Yeah. Um, we got a great, you know what, actually we are fairly low on time. I think, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Oh, here's a great one. Define, save some energy when there are so many daily practical needs that rule my day. Okay, mine too, so I can, I can deal with this. Um, I think when I said save some for, for Doug or save some for Brian, um, mental energy as well as physical energy, I mean, it's okay to be tired. Some nights you're going to be tired. And that's just part of a marriage is being able to say, I'm wiped out. How about tomorrow? I mean, you know, it depends on what you've talked about frequency, but I think... Um, just having the mindset that he's first and that we do have a lot of choices. Some, to, some things we don't have a choice about, like how many diapers we're going to change and how many meals we're going to cook. And Well, we do have, we even have a choice about that. But, I mean, give yourself a break, I would say, and um, really kind of ask the Lord to help you think differently about how you spend your time if you're completely unable to function, you know, when he gets home. Um, and, and maybe just start kind of peeling some things off and not doing quite as much. So physical energy as well as emotional, mental energy. It's really just kind of a give and take with you and your husband. I'm sure there are nights when he's wiped out as well. Oh, totally. Yeah, so. and it helps to just get the forewarning. It's, it's better for me to know yeah. this is probably coming at 8.30 than to be like about to fall asleep, you know, yeah. and it's like 11.45 and I've already gone to bed way too late anyway. And then it's yeah. like, hey, you're like, you're like, oh God. Hey. <laughs> no, if you just told me earlier, that would have, uh. and you're like, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. Yeah, don't I mean, ask. I was not being emphatic about, you know, every night you need to be <laughs> chipper, but... Um, <laughs> Just as a general mindset of don't wear yourself ragged every day. That's just not, um, I mean, we don't need to be doing that anyway. You know, we need to be able yeah. to slow down and rest. Definitely. And just be, yes. I mean, available for other people too. Yes. So. yes. And morning is great too. Mornings are wonderful. You know, there's a time sometimes it's okay to put a show on for the kids for a little bit. Um, okay. We need to wrap it up and go get our kiddos. So, um, if you, I keep thinking about the recording. Sorry, I just like want to. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, this. Morning. Oh yeah, shoot, oh, I forgot about that. That was um, Morgan. <laughs> for the uh, Nest at Night books, if you guys want to come peruse the books, they're up here. Uh, we are missing Feminine Appeal, but you can go on Amazon and check it out there. So feel free to come check it out, see what they're about, um, and then please go get your kiddos. Let me pray us out, Father. Um, just thank you for Jill, God, and just the word that she brought today, Lord. Um, using your scripture, Lord, and your um, your heart for marriage, God, and we know that you have an incredible design for marriage, and we are blessed in obedience, God. And I pray that. Um, where we have just felt a pinprick, God, I'm going, oh gosh, I need to submit to that or I need to just submit to the Lord in this. I need to take this to the Lord because I'm confused or this is still a struggle, Father, that we would just, um, that would not happen in vain. God, that we would just uh, bring those things to you, Father, and ask you, Lord, to intervene in huge ways because we know that you desire joyful, wonderful marriages, Father, full of intimacy, God. And um, this is part of our sanctification, 
Lord, in so many ways. And we thank you for that. We pray that it would just um, draw us closer to you. And we just honestly might completely benefit from the blessing of knowing you more deeply because of it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.